AFTO, a conversation with Sanjay Guamala, Senior Vice President of Scientific Affairs at American Frozen Food Institute, discussing the new COVID-19 decision tree for food manufacturing. All these groups came together uh, as part of the Food and Beverage Issue Alliance group, um, which had been tackling a number of advocacy uh, topics uh, in the past, but the crisis really uh, caused all of the, the technical leaders of these uh, associations to come together to provide essential tools that uh, help food manufacturers essentially manage worker safety, continue operations, and ultimately uh, bring, uh, you know, sort of reliable food uh, supply uh, as, the, as the main, as one of the main uh, goals. Um, so, so I would say that the, the, the four or five really elemental resources that were developed include why wear masks, how do you wear masks, how do you manage that, uh, which uh, became a CDC guidance uh, towards the middle of April uh, for the general public and became more and more uh, uh, important for those of us who are working in the essential workforce and certainly in the critical infrastructure. So, um, so that's an example. The other one was um, attempting to uh, create physical barriers and social distancing, um, which is really key. We know that social distancing was among the first um, recommendations of uh, public health authorities across uh, both federal, local, and state. Um, but managing social distancing is, is a challenge in closed facilities, right? They have limited in, uh, sort of footprints. Um, every footprint is different. So the group came together to, to use CDC guidelines um, and uh, sort of fold them into food manufacturing operations. Um, so that's another example. The third, uh, I would say, is something around um, personal hygiene, importance of ensuring that facilities can provide not only PPE uh, in the form of gloves and, and face masks, but also ensuring that um, the, the right right sanitizers, the right soaps uh, are available, and that uh, the, both the frequency of cleaning and, and uh, personal hygiene, but also um, the, uh, the quality of that. So some, some guidance is on, you know, 20 second wash, for example, uh, with soap and water. Uh, and then lastly, uh, cleaning and disinfection, which the food industry is not, not uh, foreign to, right? I mean, they've been cleaning and sanitizing, sanitation controls is a really key element of food safety and food production. Uh, but in this case, it's really about ensuring that the virus is not, um, persisting on some surface that might be a high touch area, for example, or uh, what they call as uh, the formation of fomites. And fomites are ways that you can indirectly transmit the virus when somebody touches that surface that's contaminated and then happens to touch their nose or, or, or mouth or the face area and, and, get, uh, and, get, uh, and get sick. So those are really some of the basic um, elements of managing COVID-19 as it relates to a food manufacturing facility that we, that we prepared. Were there gaps the groups found? Uh, two other areas where, well, what do you do if there's a, if someone's positive? Um, how do you know that they're positive? So we put together a couple of, uh, a couple more resources addressing those two areas, um, including uh, some mechanisms to monitor and screen employees and some best practices there as well as a, a, a big outline of, of what you do if you identify a COVID-19 positive employee in the facility. 
And it's these doc, and you can imagine these are all sort of forces of work, right? Everyone had to get together and do it, and and it we've been constantly the group has been constantly working on these. Um, but one of the the um, one of the gaps maybe that was identified was that there's not just one scenario. There are scenarios where people are, are are symptomatic. There are scenarios where people are identified as positive. There may be examples where uh, people are exposed to someone who is symptomatic or who may be COVID-19 positive. And this led us to, um, to begin to try to create uh, an easy-to-use or view tool that enables the food manufacturer to understand um, what is, what is what, what not only frames well with CDC guidance uh, and OSHA guidance, because remember, um, worker safety is essentially an OSHA function. Um, and, and CDC is a public health agency, but it's not necessarily a regulatory agency. So they can provide guidances that can then be implemented by these other regulatory agencies. So the, the, really the goal of the Food and Beverage Issue Alliance was to sort of bring all this together and provide guidances that can help not only the food manufacturers, but also the local state health authorities sort of align towards uh, science-based, risk-based, um, and CDC guidance-based uh, information as they make decisions on what to do in a facility with exposed workers and certainly with exposed workers. And when do you get them to return to work? How does the tool work? Uh, we call it grid. It's a grid which has sort of these columns, horizontal uh, rows and vertical columns. And the horizontal uh, rows represent basically uh, multiple scenarios. Uh, and I'll, I can get into that a little more. And then the vertical columns represent um, actions that uh, a food operation might uh, consider. And in this case, I'm also suggesting that these are the actions that perhaps public health um, authorities might also consider. And we're absolutely, all of these are living documents. We're open to, to you know, editing these and modifying them to continue to better them, if you will. So the vertical columns are what the actions a company takes relative to the general facility, the environment of the facility, including social distancing, personal hygiene, cleaning and disinfection, and so forth. And then uh, what is the status of the worker uh, based on their COVID-19 test result or their symptoms? And how do you deal with that? Uh, And then what the next column is, uh, how do you deal with employees that may be potentially exposed um, and that's a really interesting uh, um, sort of new dynamic for operations because um, fundamentally our operations, food operations, are not experts in identifying who's exposed, right? It's a public health uh, function. It, it, it doesn't have to do anything with manufacturing or operations or food safety. Uh, it's really about uh, understanding how the virus is transmitted, understanding um, um, you know, who might have been exposed. And there are some mechanisms to do that, that any common operation can likely do. For example, you follow the traffic uh, of personnel, you follow uh, potentially what function this individual that was tested positive uh, might, might have been uh, uh, undertaking. You try to trace back who they were interacting with. Um, and you put all of that together and you could probably figure out who's, who's been exposed. 
but I think it's really important to understand that that's this function, essential function of trying to identify who's exposed is something that everyone's learning. Um, and 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 uh, yes, we'll get better at it. Uh, but any any public health uh, expertise that can that can bring that, that a company can bring to bear on this effort is only beneficial. Um, and then the last column is uh, really concerns ensuring worker safety, but also operational continuity. So when when can workers come back when they have symptoms and uh, are potentially positive? Um, what do you do with COVID nineteen exposed workers? So hopefully that explains that um, it's it's a decision tool that uh, that presents the scenarios and then what you do with the facility, the, the the positive individual, and the exposed workers, and then how do you maintain operational continuity? What is one of the goals? There's a lot of variance across the country in the way public health authorities might might view these scenarios, and so this. Um, document aims to bring some alignment across uh, across agencies, like I said, on the basis of science and risk-based decisions, and certainly on the basis of what CDC has been recommending. And remember, even CDC guidance has consistently been modified based on new science, right? <laughs> and so um, I would say it's a starting point. It gives a, f- it, I think it covers about six scenarios, five or six scenarios, how does this provide guidance? It is an attempt to clarify CDC recommendations in a way that's applicable to the scenarios that are very that are likely to occur in food manufacturing operations. And it is also a way that we feel that public health officials at the state and local levels can also begin to apply and that I hope will drive consistency in thinking towards um, ensuring that public health uh, goals are met, uh, but at the same time ensuring that there's operational continuity, uh, given that our food supply, uh, you know, needs to be reliable and 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 you know be able to provide that to the to the um, to the marketplace. Um, but by no accord, by but by no means uh, will I suggest that. Uh, you know, this is a be-all and end-all, um, but it certainly reflects CDC guidance in the best possible way that we could. We thought it was an easy, um, for me, it's, it's five pages long, I think, but for me, it's more like an infographic, right? Each page is a scenario and it goes through, uh, you know, how an operation and how a public health official could likely um, put into practice a decision uh, that is critical for worker safety to ensuring that there's no further um, spread of the disease and also allowing the company to, and advising the company on what steps they might take to continue operations. Why is protecting the food supply important? Food production is fairly labor intensive, even when compared to other manufacturing industries which have a higher level of automation, for example. And so, um, and uh, food is certainly, food production has certainly been classified as critical infrastructure. But even among that, right after the healthcare sector, I would argue that food production is the number one, right? The number two, if you will, after healthcare sector. So, um, 
So I think that emphasis has been placed by the uh, by the by the administration at the federal level, uh, without doubt. Um, however, um, you know the country was going through a, a massive uh, a massive uh, pandemic response that was directed essentially at the at the healthcare sector, and um, food production continued. By the way, <laughs> even in even even amid that that crisis. Um, and as the pandemic uh, sort of took root in different parts of the country, um, despite the lockdowns, uh, there have been these, uh, these facilities that have shut down. Uh, and part of it is because, as I mentioned at the early on, early on um, it's, not, it's not possible to always have that six feet um, distance to between, between two workers on, on, a, on a line, on a processing line. Companies have gone to the great effort of not only providing face coverings and masks, they've given them face shields, they've placed physical barriers such as plexiglass between two individuals where that six feet can't occur. Um, they've, minimized, um, they've minimized the number of people in cafeteria, they've increased the number of breaks so that cleaning and disinfection routines can come into play. Uh, they've established uh, all sorts of... Uh, creative ideas on how to move people in a facility in one direction. And so there's no, um, they've uh, set rules on how many people can get on a, uh, on a staircase and how many people can get into an elevator. Uh, it is pretty amazing, right? How, and, and if you think about uh, someone who's processing fruit, for example, you know, fruit's coming in, they're cleaning it, rinsing it, and then they're freezing it, right? Four or five steps. And yet, companies have had to um, have had to place all of these incredible creative uh, ways to ensure worker safety. I think worker safety has been uh, among the, the top priorities of our, of our um, manufacturers. What about seasonal challenges? There are uh, a number of food operations that will be coming up uh, in the next few weeks that will be reliant on seasonal um, workers. Um, and many of those seasonal workers come from uh, out of their towns, out of their states, out of, their, out of our country. Uh, and um, they may or may not have housing that's provided by the companies. There's seasonal um, slash communal housing, if you will. Um, and so the, that's an added risk to these facilities, but they're very essential because it's harvest time, it's process time, it lasts for six weeks and, and just massive volumes of produce and, and uh, food that's, uh, that's, pr that's produced and, 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 and packaged that we need this labor. Um, and so ensuring that those, uh, those just because you have a higher um, labor level uh, doesn't increase the risk and and um, yeah it's gonna the season's gonna start in a few weeks and everyone's getting prepared for it we on our end uh, along with the FBIA and and United Fresh and um, and the other uh, produce organizations we're beginning to make uh, make and share some of these guidance documents to get them prepared I know that these companies have very smart individuals they're very creative and they're doing their best to uh, keep worker safety on top of their minds. For more information and the grid, visit www.feedingus.org.